welcome to the Nourished Soul podcast, where we talk about all things body, mind, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Ritter. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode with Dr. Katherine Clinton. She is a naturopathic physician. She's also just a phenomenal human being. And this is the fourth episode in our quantum biology series. And so I love the way that Catherine talks about quantum biology. You can't help but get excited about quantum biology when you hear her talk about it. But we, she does such a beautiful job of talking about the science and why this is such an exciting time that we're understanding all of these things. But we talk a lot about trauma and our nervous system and our immune system and and look at that from a quantum biology perspective. So it was a fascinating, wonderful conversation for me. I hope you feel the same. Please make sure that you check out. I mean, Catherine has amazing um, posts on Instagram. She is killing it over there. And she also has courses. So make sure you check out her website. I will put that in the show notes. And please, of course, let us know in the comments or send me send me some comments how you like this episode. Oh, Dr. Catherine Clinton, I'm so excited to get to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It is an honor and a privilege to have you here. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to be talking with you today. Yeah, so I have lots of things to talk to you and I'm, um, I'll be mindful of our time. So we'll, I'll try to make sure that we cover as much as possible in our time together. But I love the way that you describe quantum biology. I just think your enthusiasm, it's hard to resist. Um, I mean, you, you want to know more when you talk about it. So I thought we could start there of just kind of what is quantum biology and this excitement around the frontier of this new science? It's so exciting, Kelly. I just am just obsessed. So when I was in medical school, mm -hmm. everything was based on a Newtonian biology, a chemical, mechanical sort of backdrop to everything in the body. Yep. And that's how we really saw everything. Yep. And it continues to be how mainstream medicine looks at things. And so when I was in medical school, it was all about chemicals. It was all about receptors and locks. And so we have these receptor proteins in our body. And then the idea was that we have these keys floating around, bumping into things, and eventually they'll find their special lock and the key and lock, the key and receptor will come together and initiate biological action. And what we know now is that every cell in our body, and we have trillions and trillions of cells, right? Every cell in our body is completing over a hundred thousand tasks each second. And so that's just an astronomical amount of biological action that cannot be explained by this Newtonian lock and key model. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't 
locks and keys and receptors in the body, chemicals working. I mean, all of that is still happening. But what we're finding out is that there's this sea, really an ocean of quantum biological action that's really giving birth to those chemical reactions. All those things we learned in school are being driven by what we didn't learn in school, right? This structured water body we have within us and the quantum phenomenon that happens at that interface of our cell membranes, of our fascia, of our vessels, our blood vessels, our lymphatic vessels, our cranial sacral vessels, all of these things are acting in a fundamentally quantum biological way. And now we're at the part where science is catching up and we can no longer ignore these smaller pieces. And we get to see the impacts of the sun and the mm -hmm. infinite sea of electrons that line our earth and how all of this these flows of electrons and protons and photons of light, phonons of sound and music, frequency of thoughts and emotions, how all of those are impacting our biology in a fundamental way. And it's really exciting. It is. It's so exciting. Yeah. And, um, you know, how did you come to quantum biology? I, I mean... I know that you had some challenges with autoimmune issues yourself. And so, um, and Lyme disease, I think too, right? Um, yeah. So you were making your way and trying things, I assume. And then somehow you made your way to quantum biology. Can you tell I me did. about that? Yeah. I did. Yeah. So in medical school, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto thyroiditis was just an autoimmune reaction that affects the thyroid gland. Yep. Very common, right? Yep. Same. Yep. Yep. And I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune reaction that affects the colon. I was really, really sick. And I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and parasitic infections and all kinds of stuff, right? It was a, <clears throat> when I do it, I really do it. I go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was in the perfect place. I was at a naturopathic medical school. I was right down the hill from an allopathic medical school that was very integrative and open um, and across the river from an acupuncture school. So <clears throat> I really had so much, so many modalities at my fingertips. And what I did was I slowed down my school. I did remote for a little while and I was able to kind of piece back my physical self. And if anybody has uh, suffered with a chronic disease, they know that, you know, putting the pieces back together and getting to that point before you were diagnosed is really life-changing. It gets you back to a point where you can engage in life again. I could start going to school again. I could start seeing patients again, but it certainly wasn't the picture of health, right? I was still very much um, ill and in disease, right? And so that's when I started researching about psychoneuroimmunology yes. and how, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. how our thoughts really impact our physiology 
And of course, at that time, it was all chemicals and how Mm -hmm. our thoughts release different chemicals and how that interplays with our biology. Then I started looking at mitochondrial health and that sort of blew the doors open to this frequency information that's happening, not only within us, but in the world around us. And that's really what blew the doors open and what really sort of elevated my health to a point where I had never been healthier. And, you know, previously before um, medical school, I was trying to go to the Olympics in Taekwondo. I was uh, a national athlete. I had won national and international competitions, you know, so I was sort of picture of health in, in, you know, mainstream thinking, but um, it wasn't until I really understood my place in the world and how it all was interconnected Mm -hmm. that I was able to achieve a level of health that I had never experienced before. And my patients had never experienced before, you know, Kelly, the way I describe it is like a puzzle piece, right? Where we're putting together the pieces of the puzzle and we've got a piece of the puzzle and we put it in and it's the right piece. It's the right place, but we didn't press it in all the way. So like a corner sticking up, that's sort of how I was living life. You know, I was in the right place doing the right stuff, but there was just this constant irritation from all the danger signals I had in my life, whether that be from my community, my relationships, from misalignment with the sun, um, a lack of relationship with nature. I mean, so many different pieces. I, I was disconnected and reconnecting with those things brought not only health and vitality, but a sense of safety and belonging that I wasn't able to find elsewhere. And so now that's really my mission is not only to to bring that knowledge and and healing to people, but also that sense of safety and belonging for us to find that in the sun, in a patch of dirt or grass. And that's something that is just, I mean, I can't even place how important that is. Um, It's just phenomenal to experience. So many of my patients come to see me and they haven't ever experienced that exhale of feeling safe, of feeling like they belong. And so to provide that in the world around them is just, it's something that is so incredibly rewarding, not only because people feel better, but there's a reconnection that I think our society and our global society really has walked away from. And and once we can really put those pieces back together and get that reconnection, it's not only our health that is, is elevated. It's the health of the world around us, which we know is so interconnected to our own health. So that's how I got here. Yeah. And that's I'm, a, I'm not yeah. leaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you're not leaving. Yeah. So I'm resonating with a lot of it, you know, because this is how we get here. My background's in clinical mental health. So I had the trauma piece 
And here I am, you know, a trauma competent counselor doing all this stuff. And I kept saying, like, it just felt like something wasn't quite right in my own health too. Cause I also diagnosed with Hashimoto's also had migraine headaches. Sounds like we're similar in that when we do something, we, we really do it. I mean, just, yeah. So, um, but also, I mean, I just resonate so much with that, you know, well enough to function in the world and actually feeling pretty okay a lot of the time and and working with clients that were doing a lot of the right things seemingly, but still weren't feeling great. And so I just kept sort of going, there's gotta be something. So I too found mitochondria, mitochondrial health and went, okay, first I found gut health, right? Cause we started to make the connection, right? So I know you have terrain, you understand the, the, the whole world of quant of um, gut health. So I was going, okay, that's the piece that's missing. So now we're healing people's guts. That's great. I'm healing my own gut. And it was still not quite right. And we're looking at, you know, in depression, more and more about being disconnected and more and more about how we don't feel safe and we don't feel belonging. That's going to impact our immune system. I mean, those are inextricably connected, our immune system and our emotions, right? And so, but then I, I was trying now in the quantum space, trying to put it all together because I, I had this clear picture of the vagus nerve connecting the brain and the gut and all this communication. And I'm like, yeah, and now I'm going, whoa, but the quantum communication blows it out of the water, literally from, from easy water. We're just getting this quick, um, you know, instantaneous communication and quantum coherence really seems to be the thing that really puts the pieces in place. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you look at the vagus nerve, what are we talking about with the vagus nerve? If we break it down like histologically, right? Look at the tissue. Yeah. We're talking about fascia. We're talking about quantum communication. And of course we are, but it, you know, it takes some connecting the dots and that's what we're looking at. We're looking at this liquid crystalline communication throughout the body. And from your background, I know that you understand that, that trauma emotional trauma and physical trauma, right? But to wrap our heads around the emotional trauma, it can actually cause adhesions, right? So when that trauma goes, right? Once it stops, if it isn't fully able to reverberate through the system, wherever it stops, there becomes an adhesion or a block, right? Mm -hmm. In that quantum communication. And so, it is absolutely fundamental that we start bringing this knowledge into all of the healing practices, right? There is no right. love between our head and our body. There right. is no, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And just to, to see what's happening. I mean, you know, our structured water body, and I don't know if your listeners know what I'm talking about. Maybe not. Um, We're doing this quantum series. So by the end, hopefully, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about 
this exclusion zone water. Yeah. Cause it's, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. And it's, it's so hand in hand with what we're talking about with the vagus nerve and fascia. Yeah. And so <clears throat> this idea of an organized structured water has been around for a while. It's sort of um, started out with this poly water debacle in Russia, but it wasn't really until 2003 um, with Gerald Pollack, like his, yeah, like his team <laughs> at the University of Washington, and he's just continuing to do amazing work, right? But he was the first to actually identify this fourth phase of water. It's been called biological water, ordered water, structured water. He termed the um, name easy for exclusion zone water. Mm -hmm. And what he found was that along hydrophobic surfaces or hydrophilic surfaces, excuse me, water loving surfaces. And that's a fancy name for our cell membranes, our fascia, our vessel walls, right? These are all hydrophilic in nature mm -hmm. and they start to form structured water on their surfaces, on the outside and also the inside of them, right? right. And so we found that the structured water mm -hmm. forms one sheet on these hydrophilic surfaces mm -hmm. and it kind of looks like a hexagonal, like a honeycomb, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, this lattice sheet and the hydrogens become more tightly bound mm -hmm. and it we're used to our different structures of water, right? Our solid ice, our liquid water, our gaseous steam and vapors, right? But this fourth phase is more of a gel viscous mm -hmm. substance. And it's not H2O, it's H3O2. And if we have any mathematicians out there, you'll notice that we're missing a hydrogen, right? Um, it's not H4O2, like you would expect if we doubled that um, right. li liquid um, water, right? And so we're missing a proton. And so as this lattice forms against these hydrophilic surfaces, it kicks out a proton and creates what the research is calling a proton-rich zone or right. a proton wire. And the difference in charge between the two, the separation of charge between the two is something that we would see in a battery, right? And so Pollock and his team actually put an electrode in the structured water and it's negatively charged. And of course, another one in the proton rich zone, which you can imagine is positively charged. And the separation of charge between those two zones mm -hmm. was enough to light a battery. It's enough to power biological action. And so this is really coming to the forefront in science. We're starting to see that this structured water is what's on the outside and inside of our cells. Not only that, but when we look at the cell membrane, we see all these proteins embedded into it, right? It's sort of like a necklace with these um, big beans, uh -huh. little beads of beans, right? I wish I had a- I'll find a picture. <laughs> I'll find a picture at least for the video of it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes. this bilipid membrane with these proteins that stick out both sides. Yeah. And those proteins are covered in the structured water. And what we're finding is changes in the structured water and the energy that it traps 
change the protein, change biological action, initiate biological action. It's absolutely phenomenal. Excuse me. That is, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. That, I mean, it blows my mind, but I've been studying protons and electrons for a little while. So I follow some people might be going, what does this matter to me? Because this exclusion zone water is literally everywhere in the body. It's this quantum communication. And so we can do things to influence it, simple things in our lives. And it comes back to that connection, connection with earth, connection with ourselves. Um, I would even, I mean, I used to leave out spiritual, like in my work, I was, if, I mean, certainly if somebody in my counseling practice brought up religion or spirituality, of course, but it was kind of strange how much I was like, mind, body, mind, body. And it's so, right. I was like, there's this element, whatever you want to call like life force, energy, um, God, whatever that I think you can't leave out. It's mind, body, spirit. And so reconnecting those places that are broken in us where we feel not belong. We don't feel like we belong. We feel um, where we don't feel safe for whatever reason, for the very good reasons, usually that we feel these this way in our lives, but the repair can actually be simple things. Um, so I thought we could talk about that, you know, the, the very kind of practical, how do we nurture this, exclusion zone water. Yes, absolutely. And so something I didn't mention is that that lattice shape Mm -hmm. of the structured water allows it to trap store and utilize energy. And of course, Gerald Pollack and his work really focus on infrared energy, right? And and we should mention that the sun is the biggest source of infrared energy we have in our solar system. Um, But it's not just that. And so it's really, really amazing when you start to tease the pieces apart here and you know we started with with trauma and and the vagus nerve and fascia and so looking from a traditional perspective which we're so used to doing talk let's talk about our trauma let's do exercises with the nervous system nobody's talking about the circadian rhythm of our nervous system. Nobody's talking about when we experience emotional trauma, mm-hmm. it dysregulates our circadian, our circadian. Yes. Yes. I literally, yes. I, I just landed here probably a week or two ago. Like this is so fresh for me, but I was, I, I really, it really, it will, cause it's in my own home. I have a son that was diagnosed with chronic illness. And so, and we're just piecing it all together, but I can see it like how our brain and our nervous system is impacted can change our circadian biology. And then we have to work to get it. It can be fixed. I think. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Great point. Yeah. So, mm mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was like, so now we're talking about it. Like, yes, maybe nobody absolutely. else is talking about it in the nervous system, but I think it's our job to bring it to people and bring it to the practitioners and the educators 
to say, yes. here's a really important piece. Um, well, sunlight and, and this infrared light, um, we can make it, the mitochondria are just amazing, right? I mean, like it's just this exclusion zone. Water is is the step four of the mitochondrial chain. I mean, the um, yes, you know what I'm saying. So in the yeah. mitochondria, in the electric transport chain, this is where it's made. And so it's, these are just fascinating and we can do things to help, but our, also our mitochondria can make this infrared light. We can make, make it in our body. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Martin Picard's work is absolutely amazing because he's showing us that with our thoughts, we can increase our mitochondrial health. And, you know, I, ah, right? I know it's good news, right? <laughs> That's good news because we hear about mitochondria and I think most of us think, okay, exercise and um, of course, circadian rhythm and getting that aligned, but there's not these safety inputs. When we're talking about the nervous system, we talk about uh, exercises to do. We talk about talk therapy. We talk about um, <clears throat> you know, mental exercises for our nervous system, breathing and mindfulness. And of course, I love those. I'm not knocking those at all, but I'm saying that there is safety for our nervous system to be had in a patch of grass, in our relationship with the sun, in a relationship with how we've eaten and evolved to eat over millennia, right? One of my favorite research studies, Kelly, is a study, it's, it's multi from a bunch of different places. It started out looking at the effects of trauma in newborn infants. So mm -hmm. infants that had to be removed from their parents because they um, had a medical intervention they needed to, to right. do, right? So um, these scientists, researchers looked at the predictable shift in the gut microbiome that mm -hmm. happens trauma, right? We see that the microbiome and all the little microbes in there, they switch from more beneficial uh, composition to a more harmful composition. Mm -hmm. And so they looked at those infants, they saw once they were moved from their mother that uh, they had that predictable shift in the gut microbiome. Of course they would, that's very traumatic. Now what they did was they recreated this in animal studies and they gave these removed traumatized infants uh, omega-3 fatty acids. That's all they did. They supplemented that in the uh, breast milk that they were giving to these infants. And, and this, I think the animal studies were done in mice, um, rats. Maybe. And so <laughs> some rodents, <laughs> yep, yep. Right? And yeah. so what they did was they saw that with the supplementation of omega-3s, a complete reversal in that microbiome from harmful back to beneficial. So they saw that the trauma induced that shift to a harmful microbiome and just the additional supplementation of omega-3 fatty acids shifted back to a beneficial composition. And why is that? Were those infants not traumatized anymore? Were they like, ah, I don't need a mom, I've got omega-3s? Of course not. Their biology received 
a massive dose of what I call a safety signal, right? Those omega-3 fatty acids we have evolved with over millennia. Mm -hmm. We have evolved by waterways, eating algae and fish and sources of omega-3 fatty acids. Mm -hmm. And so for that research study to show how impactful that is just in and of itself and we look at the quantum biological impact of that we see that uh, DHA has these free electrons so when we talked about those bilipid cell membranes and the little proteins that are sticking out each end mm -hmm. bilipid by by the name suggests it's made of fat and so when we're eating those omega-3 fatty acids like we have evolved to, those are put into our cell membranes and they have something called pi electrons. And it's basically a, a fancy name for free dissociable um, electrons that can be used to create a current. And that's what we see is that that DHA, that omega-3 fatty acid is put directly into that cell membrane. It's able to create more of a current, able to attract more of that structured water and create more of that quantum biological communication throughout the body. So there's so many different levels here of safety that our body gets just from reconnecting to the way we have evolved over millennia because if there's anything we know is that modern society has just steadily walked away from all of those safety signals we have evolved with and it's I love that we're talking about the mental emotional piece and trauma and the vagus nerve because this is not what we think of right <laughs> this isn't the first thing Think of circadian rhythm and grounding, getting our feet into that sea of electrons that we can pull into our biology, or eating omega-3 fatty acids that actually get those free electrons into our cell membranes, into our fascia, into our vagus nerve, into our nervous system. It's just very powerful stuff, yet so simple, so effective. And that's another thing I like about it, Kelly, is that the more we give accessible options to people, especially in this relational way, really allowing them to put the pieces together, I feel that we will flip another page in history and get to closer to the new paradigm that we need in health, right? Is when everybody has access to this and then says, no, you guys are doing it wrong, right? When I was in school um, talking about thyroid, all of the labs are just still messed up. They don't follow what the endocrinologists, the ones that deal with hormones, the ones that are the experts in thyroid hormones, they say the levels should be this. The labs currently now, the levels are much higher. And so when I was in school, I called the lab. Why are you guys doing this? The endocrinologists, the experts say this. Why do your labs say this? Why are you guys letting TSH be so high? It should be lower. You know, there should be a lower uh, threshold of normal. And 
the lab tech said, we just don't have the, the manpower to educate the doctors. So as soon as you guys start calling and wanting different lab values, we'll change it. But we don't have the educational arm to do this. And so that's what I love about providing this free information is this is not, you know, thousand dollar uh devices or fancy things. This is accessible stuff that we can get healthier today with and then use that resilience and energy to be like, give us what works. Mm -hmm. Give us clean air, give us clean water, stop polluting, stop giving us band-aids. Let's get to a healthcare system that really prioritizes health. Yeah. Wouldn't that be... I think it's completely possible. I think it's so simple though, that people have a hard time sometimes. I don't know if your patients do, but I mean, to really think um, what, you know, just walking around outside earthing. And so those free electrons, I just want to reiterate for people that maybe didn't totally catch that. We're talking about these free electrons are on every, um, are on our earth's surface. So any natural surface like grass, sand, dirt, even concrete, I'm told is fine as long as it's not asphalt or like covered with, you know, plastic or rubber or any of those kinds of things. And so the, we're literally talking about walking around, getting skin on the earth surface. So it could be hands touching trees. It could be feet walking around. But even people who tell me, oh, I spend a lot of time in nature, I'm like in what shoes? Um, because it's great that we're in nature um, and the sun. I mean, the fact that light is so important that people don't seem to understand how important or how foundational this light, um, natural light is for us, but it really is that simple. And, and the food we eat really does matter. And I've found that the more, I mean, obviously I, I think it matters, right? Cause I, I like the nutrition piece and the gut health piece a lot. But I'm finding that the system, the immune system will calm down if we're doing all of the, the earthing and we're outdoors and we're getting the right nutrients is particularly the fat, the, the essential fatty acids, particularly DHA. I just, I could not agree more. If there was one thing, um, I think if people can eat seafood, uh, I know that if people aren't close to any kind of body of water, it might feel strange because that is, I do think that there's something about circadian rhythms and um, eating local seasonal food mm -hmm. that's grown near you. So it makes sense to your body and your mitochondria. Like, oh, this is the season I'm in. This is the part of the world I'm in. But the one thing, the one exception I would say is DHA. I mean, just to get DHA from seafood, and if you have to from supplement. And I do think when people are really, really sick and you can tell that it's the microbiome is off their digestion is off i work with a lot of people that mental health and digestive issues tend to go hand in hand so where there's what right there's no separation like we said we don't just cut it off and right here it's cut off um so but just this under understanding that sometimes you need a lot more than you think you need of the dha and getting good fat. And I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the clients that come to me have tried plant-based for mm -hmm. a while 
and their mental health starts to go decline and their cognitive ability. And so I'm, I'm very much about eating ancestral, an ancestral approach. And we evolved eating meat and eating animals. And so, and from a nutrient density and a nutrient bioavailability of those nutrients, I think it's important that we have all of that in place. I don't know if you would, you're nodding. So I think you agree with that. (laughs) Yep. I totally agree. I, I agree. And I, and just to say, I respect everyone's diet choices, right? There's so many things that play into that, but just asking me on a, on a health level, what is, what do I think when people come into me, I am very much ancestral and whole foods, right? And not this binary, we're going to eat carnivore, we're going to eat keto, we're going to do this. It's like, let's just focus on those whole foods, right? Um, Plant foods in a lot of circles have been sort of demonized, right? Um, And I love them. I think all of the, you know, in naturopathic school, we have some irritating um, sayings like eat a rainbow, right? It's so like, Um, but it's really, really true because all of those phytochemicals, I mean, you were talking about the electrons that we pull up from the earth going into that electron transport chain in the mitochondria and making more energy, right? Well, when we look at whole foods and what we get from our plant foods um, of all colors, it's really important because those polyphenols go into that mitochondrial electron transport chain. And when electrons are lost, And what happens when electrons are lost, right? They become reactive oxidative species, which can cause damage. They also serve as signals, but, but for the most part, we don't want our electrons lost, right? So these polyphenols, these colors in our plants go into the electron transport chain, Mm -hmm. grab those lost electrons and stick them back at the beginning of the chain and say, okay, we're giving you another chance to create energy. And that's just amazing. So many people are talking about methylene um, blue, right? Blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, molecular hydrogen. Yeah. That's what we have going on with our polyphenols. And it's not to knock those things. Sure. Um, it's just to let everyone know that those things are available in nature. That's what those colors are. That's what the blue in blueberries are, the red in tomatoes, the green in that evil kale, right? It's all a part of that beautiful system that our ecosystem has provided for us to accelerate that energy production through that mitochondrial electron transport chain. It's absolutely, Mm -hmm. it's absolutely amazing. And I completely agree with you, getting back to those whole foods, focusing on good fat. And when we start to really tease it down to the molecules and what's happening, Mm -hmm. we see that these things can be easily sulfated meaning that they can hold more structured water. They can bring more structured water into the body. So again, we come back to this fundamental 
quantum biological foundation that everything seems to have. And it's just really, really exciting. And, and I love to talk about the vagus nerve and, and trauma because I love that we're talking about it because it's so underserved in the quantum biological world. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just absolutely fascinating what eating whole foods and grounding and syncing with the the sun and the rhythm of the sun does to our nervous system and you know we spoke about Gerald Pollack and his lab he's done amazing research with those let's take one step back because I'm going to start using some big words so when we talk about our vagus nerve yeah it is covered it's covered and innervated all throughout with fascia. And our fascia connects every single cell in our body. And the fascia is made up of collagen. And it's made up, so our DNA, we're used to that uh, double helix bond, right? Our fascia is made up of a triple helix. It's called a tropocollagen. And they're so small, they create these nanotubules. And this is where we see that quantum communication happening. And Pollock and his team out of the University of Washington actually made a collagen tubule and added infrared energy in the form of light, right? It was a lamp, not our sun, but um, we can make some inferences about what the sun would do, right? And so he took this tubule of collagen, of fascia, and uh, put infrared energy on it and saw not only the structure water forming on the outside of the tube, but he saw it forming on the inside of the tube. And he saw that it created a flow through that tube. The energy of the structured water that we're talking about, the ability of that lattice formation to trap that uh, energy from infrared light, those that photonic energy, and translate it into the flow of water and electrons and protons through that nanotubule of fascia that we have throughout our vagus nerve. It's absolutely phenomenal. And these are things that should be part of the mainstay when we're talking about trauma, when we're talking about safety, when we're talking about mental health, these things are completely um, not even on the radar. And they're so fundamental. And, And this day and age, I don't know anybody that hasn't been touched by trauma or chronic stress. I agree 100%, right. And that actually kind of, well, I don't want to go on that tangent. I was saying that can actually, um, I guess, irritate me when, you know, so colleagues will come to me and ask me about gut health with one of their clients. And I'll say, well, tell me about their trauma history. Oh, no trauma. I'm like, well, did they have a birth? Were they born? Like, I, I mean, just, I mean, I don't mean to be, I don't, I understand that the word trauma gets thrown around a lot. But we're, mm-hmm. we can see, we, I mean, you can feel, and, and yes, there's traumatic growth. It can actually spark 
an awakening for people. It's not all doom and gloom and bad, but you can also literally see where there's block, um, where there's a no longer that flow that you're talking about when we're talking about in the fascia, where we need the flow in the communication. And the, the fact that infrared light, which is available outside people, outdoors in natural light, um, regardless of the weather, like it doesn't have to be a sunny, beautiful day. Like that's available to us for free. And yes, we can use red light therapy and we can get devices for people who are trying to heal, but these are, this is a way that we can heal at a deeper level. And so, yes, I think this, this is not common knowledge, but it's also surprising to me that people don't, aren't trauma informed necessarily either. You know, and once you start talking to people, you realize they're really, we all have some trauma, whether it impacted us in a way that's really detrimental to our, or our immune system and our nervous system are reacting. And I, you know, I don't know in your clientele, but I've also seen where they get, a person can get along really, really well, um, high functioning, super functioning, high functioning people. And that then something happens that even isn't even that big of a deal to them, like a surgery or, you know, something they're not even thinking of as a trauma necessarily, but their bucket, their stress bucket is now full. And then you you have a cascade of immune response, a nervous system reaction that the body's like, hello, no, I'm done. I cannot take any more. And it's, it's kind of difficult for people to back up enough and kind of untangle it um, and see, and I don't know in your practice, like how you approach people because to untangle it a bit, like where Mm -hmm. would you even start just telling people to walk around outside, like get in the light? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that you know, we talk about trauma, the capital T versus lowercase t. Yes. And I think that there's two things happening, like from a political or, or social dynamic way. It's important that we understand there are capital T's traumas that are happening and sort of perpetuated by the systems that be. That's important. And I'm not negating that at all. Right. But we all have these lowercase t's and and different size buckets and different size fillings of buckets, so to speak, right? So that I have no place for that in my practice. I look at where there might have been an emotional trauma, regardless if, you know, someone was bullied when they were three. My own picture, I went to... Um, a school in the South that had corporal punishment. And it was still very, very uh, racist at the time when I was in uh, grade school. And that had a significant traumatic um, impact on me, even though I wasn't the main uh, target for that, right? right? And And so that doesn't negate the bigger trauma and social issues that were there. But with my system, it was a trauma still. And so 
when I talk with my patients, I let them know about how significant these smaller traumas can be and how significant reconnecting to the world around us for that sense of safety and belonging can be. So many of us are in relationships where we've both been traumatized and it's not unhealthy, but it's not a complete uh, exhale, right? Because we're both working with those trauma patterns. And so when I have patients in my office, I say, let's first do a week of circadian alignment. And I want you to focus on your relationship with the sun. And I go through the science because people seem to really latch on to that. And then that allows them to um, really own that information. And I've never, Kelly, I've never had a patient come back say, okay, I did that circadian stuff. And like, now what? When are you gonna give me something that works, right? They all have some impact that is motivating to them enough to keep them going on this circadian alignment. So that's where I start. I start with the relationship with the sun. And then I, and some, just to be clear, some people come see me and they're really sick. So I have them with a blanket and a chair by an open door sipping tea, right? right. It's right. small steps because the goal is always there or the source is always there. The sun is always there for us to walk towards. Whatever kind of step we can take towards it is going to be beneficial. And just to kind of blow this, extend this picture out, the sun is our biggest source of infrared energy, but sound makes infrared, right? Our mitochondria makes infrared. Um, there's so many thoughts and emotions make infrared. There's so many different ways for us to access this. It's really exciting. There isn't a one-way street. It's very holographic and it starts with one step, just one step closer to those relationships that are waiting to heal us. Oh, I love that. It's amazing. I know we don't have a ton of time left. We have just a few minutes. So I want to we could go so deep into so many of these things. And um, I think circadian biology, since I have you here, I just wanted to say, um, just to get your thoughts about, you're just, so I thought we all need to get out. I tell everybody who will listen, including clients, of course, but anybody, like to get out in early morning light. It's actually so helpful, particularly UVA for our mood. I don't think people connect how much our food is related to our mood. And also the sunlight and getting those that so and I agree like um, I've even if you work with teenagers like have them take their devices outside like don't rip the device because they're not gonna do that but sit next to an open window on their devices all of crack the window on the way to work like whatever you can do um, so the light and the dark but I I have seen that there's a, some information about. We all are diurnal beings. Human beings are diurnal, as best I can tell. We're day living creatures. So we do, you know, so to get in that morning light, but are there differences in people? Like, do we, do we need to play with this a little bit with people? So, cause I think of also eating, like eating during daylight hours. 
mm-hmm. and and finishing your food by sunset if you can right and mm-hmm. then letting so it's not just about being out the light but also the food and all of the things that contribute to our circadian rhythms but i guess what i'm asking is how much variability do you think individually we might have I think that that's a good question. And when I was in school, I would have said, oh, there's so much, because I was a night owl. I did my right, best work at night, right? So I was like, oh, there's a lot of variation. And I would always hit on those research articles that says, you know, there are, is variations. Okay. We are diurnal. We are human animals living on planet Earth in the solar system. There is an irreplaceable relationship we have with the sun, that we are inseparable, intimately and inseparably tied to the sun. So with my patients, I tell them, we can work with differences, right? But not a whole bunch. So (laughs) what I say is get out in the sun before 10 a.m. Get out in that morning sun. And that's, that's several hours, right? So I'm given some leeway there and I say, you know, 15 minutes is great. A couple 15 minute breaks in the day, if, if that's all you can manage, this is the starting point. 15 more minutes before 10, 15 minutes throughout the day, a couple times in that full light. I'm in the Pacific Northwest and it's just gray, but that is medicine too. And then the flip side of that is seeing the sunset and then lowering the lights, right? So I have a teen and a young child at home. And what do we do? We're in the Pacific Northwest and it gets dark sometimes at 4.30 or five o'clock, right? So they each have, we move to incandescent bulbs. We move, they each have their own little uh, non-blue red light reading light. So they can do whatever crafting projects and have like a, sense of autonomy right yeah um, we use salt lamps and it's absolutely amazing just those small steps have on our mood on our metabolism on our immune system on our nervous system on our sense of anxiety and depression all of those things it's absolutely fundamental to realign with that sun. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think it's a, le- a piece of the healing, whether it's physical, mental health, whatever your trauma that you're trying to heal. It's a piece that I think is missing in a lot of people they're doing. They, they put a lot of pieces in the puzzle and this is the piece that they're like, Oh, the light. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The light and then honoring the dark. Oh, honoring the dark. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I know we could go on and on and on. And I this has been so amazing, so helpful. I think just the practical pieces with the science, you do a beautiful job of blending. So helping us understand the science, but the practical piece of that. So I really appreciate in that about you. And, um, and I know you have courses so people can, can find you and work with you and take some classes with you if they want to go deeper and learn more. I think that's amazing. And so, um, yeah. And I, I also just wanted to know what nourishes, I know you're doing all this, but is there anything in particular that really nourishes you? Cause you're giving back 
to so many people. You're doing so much in the world. So what is particularly nourishing to you? I think, um, I think my relationship with the sun is very nourishing. I think my relationship with uh, the earth and nature, um, especially here in the Pacific Northwest in summer, it's very, very gratifying and nourishing. And to be honest, my, my family is just an amazing source of love and inspiration. And, and so those things nourish me and also quiet. Um, I've found in my later years that silence nourishes me. So those four things, um, even though they aren't always compatible, my family is very loud. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, those things absolutely uh, nourish me and I'm grateful for them every day. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Nurse Soul Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, we would love it if you would rate the podcast and leave a comment. That is very helpful. And if you haven't already, if you would subscribe, that is also very helpful. And I greatly appreciate you being here and, and also subscribing. If you are interested in learning more about quantum healing, I am doing nutritional therapy still, nutritional therapy and quantum health coaching. I do that one-on-one -on -one and I also have a class. It's a workshop for you to build your own pro-healing plan. So you may be somebody who's already done a lot of healing. Um, and so you're just wondering about what you might do to have even more optimal health or somebody that might be, you might be somebody that's struggling with a health issue. And either way, these are, these workshops are designed for you to really see the practical kind of applications of the quantum techniques that you can incorporate in your daily routine. It is also about nutrition, but mostly about using our light, the mitochondria, circadian rhythms, and then also, of course, food. We usually have time to talk a little bit about movement and, of course, the soul, how to nourish our souls. And there is time for a Q&A in that workshop. So if you are interested, I would love to have you join one of the workshops. I also have a Pro Healing Diet ebook that is now available on my website. So all of that information can be found at nourished soul.com so you can check it out and keep in touch and thank you so much for being here i really really appreciate you